would you have me do, Stephen? Tip the ship's grog over the side. Stop their grog. Nagel was drunk when he insulted Holland. Did you know that? Stop 200 years of privilege and tradition. I'd rather have them three sheets to the wind on occasion than have a mutiny on my hands. You see, I'm rather understanding of mutineers. Men pressed from their homes, their chosen occupations, confined for months aboard a wooden press. Stephen, I profoundly respect your right to disagree with me here in this cabin, but I can only afford one rebel on this ship. I hate it when you talk at the surface in this way. It makes me so very low. Do you think I want to flog Nagel? A man who stood beside me on the gunnel and hacked the ropes that sent his mate to his death under orders. Under my orders. Do you not see it? The only things that keep this little wooden world together are hard work, discipline. Jack, the man failed to salute. For God's sake, Stephen, there's hierarchies even in nature, as you've often said yourself. There is no disdain in nature. There is no humiliation. Men must be governed. Often not wisely, I'll grant you, but they must be governed nonetheless. That's the excuse of every tyrant in history, from Nero to Bonaparte. And I, for one, am opposed to authority. Your opposition is not my concern. Misery and oppression. You've come to the wrong shop for anarchy. everybody welcome to generation lost the show about movies that doesn't take itself too seriously with Bryn and jeremy and today we begin a new embarking departure something we, we begin. depart on we a de- new <laughs> embarkment <laughs> you know what i mean a new embarcadero here uh, in the generation lost <laughs> podcast embarcadocio uh, <laughs> on the generation lost podcast uh, it is a new Dark Council month once again, and this time they're picking movies. Boy, do you want to see them! But the theme this week, this month, is uh, it's May, it's May Day, it's and gay. Guess what, and guess what May <laughs> rhymes with? It's gay. That's it's right. It's gay May, everybody. It's gay May. And you might think, well, so you'll watch movies that are explicitly gay? No. <laughs> <laughs> You'll we're we're beginning the it's mostly a uh I'm gay and in the closet May. Uh yeah. For most of it. Um so obviously our first movie today is Master and Commander. Uh the Please, Peter Brin. Brin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Master and Commander the colon s- the far side of the world. <laughs> the far side of the world. Very important. The oceans are now battlefields. <laughs> Everything's changed. Um and yeah, we'll get into that movie. But I'm excited to talk about Gay May, yeah, and how how men are not allowed to have friendships. Absolutely, uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> they're never allowed, especially not on screen, especially not on ships, mm-hmm. um, in close quarters with one another, in you know confinement. No, um, they're sucking dick if that's how it is. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, but before couldn't we- be more right. Um, <laughs> And and so just to explain kind of how this month is going to go, I believe the council has sequenced this in such a way where the gayness will be escalating as we go. Right. So the first one is almost none. The first one is is pretty not gay, I would say, outside of like maybe a few things I like picked up here and there where <laughs> I was like, like well, <laughs> well, they are playing the violin together and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately, I think uh, what what our councilman told us was that this was more about like themselves and their perception of it when they were young watching it as a closeted gay person and seeing these men together in this closed quarters being like ooh, it's kind of like a like a fantasy or something right who doesn't Uh, want to have russell crowe beat their captain tonight yes um (laughs) and and whip somebody in front of them oh my god that sort of stuff uh and then uh, I think uh, as we go, the gayness will get more explicit. Next week is, um, or later this week, I guess, uh, is is one that is pretty widely regarded as being subtextually gay. Yeah. Um, which is Friday the 13th. Or, I keep doing this, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Not Friday the 13th. Two um, Freddy's Revenge. You got to admit, the names Colin. are not that similar, but they're somehow easy to mix up. <laughs> They're similar types of movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then we'll get on to the more explicitly straight up 
homosexual. We're having. Yeah, we're until, proud until we uh, until we close out the month on drum roll, please. The birdcage. The birdcage, which is Jeremy's pick. <laughs> My pick. Uh, uh, pretty gay, although still a little bit closeted. Interesting. I, I have not seen that one, so I'm excited to watch that later this month. I'm so excited for you to see it. It's the Me best. too. <laughs> I've always wanted to. It was one of those movies where I was like eight years old and I was like, that looks great. And my dad was like, no. No. Uh, absolutely <laughs> absolutely not. not. This is against God. <laughs> exactly. I was like, but Robin Williams. That was a big thing for me which, like, when I was a kid. It was just like people were in movies that I, you know, where I was allowed to see. And then I'd be like, I love that person. Mm-hmm. I He's the see genie. More. I yeah. want to see the genie. <laughs> I want to see the genie. I want to see Patch Adams or jack jumanji or whatever yeah what is his name in jumanji he really he's got a Uh, good run of peter uh, peter movies where he's the name you know (laughs) that's true patch Patch adams Adams. jack not goodwill hunting not goodwill hunting not Uh, aladdin not aladdin uh i guess it's really just those two those are two yeah uh (laughs) anyway so we'll talk about that in a minute until we get there jeremy what did you watch this week? Thank you for asking, Bryn. You're welcome. So I have two things I'd like to talk about this week. Um, one very briefly, uh, which is that I have um, I've stumbled upon and stumbled deep into um, British old man rap. Um, I don't know if you've come across this before, Bryn. Those two like TikTok guys who are It's rappers. the two TikTok guys. And then I found out there's a whole scene. There's a whole scene around them of other old guy rap groups in england a scene yeah and they're they all, hanging out they all hang pubs. out they all know each other <laughs> they're all buddies uh okay. they're all like homies from the same neighborhood who it, it seems to me so it's it's uh the main the main central group is called um uh, baz and pete right those are the normal the two most the two famous main guys, guys right yeah so then there's there's some homies of theirs that are that pop up as features in their videos who then have gone on to uh like start their own groups the the chief of which <laughs> is called the Northern Boys and that Northern is um, Boys. Patrick Carney Jr and um what is the other guy's name it doesn't matter uh, <laughs> Is this a movie? Uh I mean they make videos and the videos are kind of a big part of what makes it cool to me at Sure least. yeah. Um I actually came across them not from Baz and Pete. I came across them from the Northern Boys. I found them on Instagram uh, from their most recent video um, for a song called Give It To Me, uh, which it is me. it's the main guy um, is is cross-dressed and singing about cross-dressing <laughs> for fun and to, to get off. And... Um, <laughs> That's a very and British thing, I think. It is, yeah. And then and then the other guy, Patrick, his verses are all just about like how he wants to die and how he loves doing cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the two, only two things he ever raps about. <laughs> I've watched like nine of their videos <laughs> and it's all just like the crossdresser guy is always on some pervy shit and then Patrick right. is always just like, I want to die. <laughs> Everybody watch me die. Hang myself in my neighbor's yard. <laughs> Why does he want to die? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess he's because he's too old. I guess, yeah. It's it's interesting though because it's like the like the the Pete and Baz thing is very clearly about being just like super drill oriented. Like all of their songs are just like you know I've got the gun, you know I got the chopper, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill whatever. Like sure, you know that sort of stuff. And then. All of their homies are all just like on some real goofy shit, and I love it so much. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I mean, there's not really much to talk about here. It's just a very interesting little uh, gimmicky genre that has like really sprung up. And it seems like most of these guys are just like they're just like old guy friends who just needed a hobby, and they're just like working class old dudes who just like um, I I had read that like one of the Pete and Baz guys, like their granddaughter is really into rap and he had just like started getting into it as a way to like connect with her. And then he was like, I'm going to make my own stuff. And then like he gets (laughs) his friend in on it and the two of them like make this song as a joke, but then it's like actually kind of sick. And then like, that's kind of like a big part of this too, is that like 
part of the joke is obviously the joke is that they're old and that they don't look like they're supposed to be rapping but a bigger part of the joke is that they're actually really 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 good at it (laughs) they have like insane flow and they like they like change it up really crazy like it's it's are they really good at it pete and baz are or whatever okay uh, baz and uh, yeah pete and baz um are very good uh northern boys are just funny Uh, i don't think they're particularly good (laughs) <laughs> so there's a whole scene of old men yeah um if you if you go through like pete and baz videos you'll start seeing other old guys who chill with them in their videos uh mr worldwide has like nine of them in it <laughs> <laughs> um and another great joy uh when you're diving down this hole is to go on youtube and look for like reacts videos of black people seeing it it's the best. <laughs> and what, what do they really think the best content? It? They love they it. Everybody awesome. loves it. Who you see it, like you're it? just like these guys fucking rock. <laughs> and everybody's like, you know, it, it the the reaction will always go from like first you're like, okay, what's this gonna be? And then you're like, wait, what? And then you're like, but it's not really them rapping. And then you're like, oh, it is really them rapping. Oh, it is. But they well, didn't, they didn't really write, write it. it. Or, yeah. And then you're like, oh, maybe they did though. <laughs> They keep doing it. Yeah, they keep keep doing it. Yeah. yeah, who would make this up? And there's at, like enough references point. that pop up in it where you're like, oh, maybe they are just old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's that's that. And then uh, the other thing that I watched this week um, is the 1985 British romantic comedy drama film directed by Stephen Frears, uh, My Beautiful Laundrette. My beautiful laundrette. Starring Daniel Day Lewis and a bunch of people you never heard of. Oh, laundrette. Laundrette. I have heard of this movie. Yes. So this is Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, you never heard of Rita um, Wolf and Derek Branch? Uh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Gordon Warneck. You've never heard of Gordon Warneck? <laughs> Crazy. Um yeah, so it's um this was the this is the we've breakout talked, role of Daniel Day Lewis. We've talked about this movie before that you wanted to see it or something. Yeah, it must have been that I wanted to see it. It always seemed very fascinating to me, and I mean, I just like I know all of like the big hits of of DDL from like you know our generation. I didn't really know about his older works very much. So this is his big breakout. He has like one or two movies before this that he has like a small role in. And then suddenly this year, 1985, he has two huge leading roles. And he just like, from there, it's just like off to the fucking races. Right. Um, and you could see why immediately. So um, oh, he's great in it? He's incredible. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? It's Daniel Day-Lewis. The guy sure, can yeah. act like a motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, it's crazy how few movies he's been in. I know since it 1971. Fucking rocks. Yeah, he's so cool. <laughs> I, well, um, I'm trying to count them one, two. Go ahead and I'll, so I'll so my beautiful laundrette is about a Pakistani kid who um it's it's the 80s in in jolly old it's the Thatcher days it's very much uh, in the spirit of like um of uh, like this is England. You're you're seeing a lot of skinheads around. You're seeing a lot of racial racial tension around. Nobody's got a job. Everybody's broke. Everybody's miserable. Um, and so this Pakistani kid has no job. He's like he's finished with high school. He didn't go to college. He doesn't have anything going for him. His dad is like a miserable piece of shit layabout who just like he was like a like a noteworthy journalist in Pakistan. And then since they moved to England, he hasn't done shit. And uh, he just like lays in bed all the time and drinks and and just like berates his son. And uh, he's Gosh. got an uncle who owns like a bunch of different businesses around town. He's just, like a hustler. They're all like shitty little businesses. They're like you know a parking garage and like a laundromat and right. you know he just like he has a lot of stuff, but he doesn't have a lot of money. Uh, and then he's got another uncle who traffics drugs, and uh, <laughs> and that's like his his family group. The uncle with all the businesses hooks him up with a job uh, at the parking garage and then hooks him up with a job at the laundromat. Uh, and then eventually he's like, I like you. I'm going to give you the laundromat. Like, this is just going to be your thing now. Uh, but little does uh, does our main character, Omar, uh, little does he know that uh, the laundromat sucks. It's a terrible job. <laughs> it's a terrible business. It doesn't make any money. What do you have uh, to do? 
I mean, you have to like, you know, you run the laundromat, but it's like it. Everybody comes in and puts a quarter in a machine, you know, <laughs> like there's no money in sure, it. Sure, sure. So he's just like constantly keeping up the machines and not able to pay himself or whatever. And then he starts taking some work with the drug trafficker uncle, like driving him around. And then one time, he runs into Daniel D. Lewis, uh, who is a chav who has like a group of chav friends, and uh, he knows him from his childhood. And he like instantly just go, goes up to him, he's like. Johnny boy, I haven't seen you in forever. Oh my God. Like this like warmness just like suddenly fills this like cold, bleak movie. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then it it's just kind of like it unfolds. You start to get little hints of it very subtly that like they were like close friends, but like kind of separate from one another, like click wise and socioeconomically and whatever, but that they had been lovers in the past uh, and then they instantly just like rekindle it and uh, they're like hanging out all the time. They're hooking up all the time. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis goes and helps him to restore the laundromat um, to like, get it all up and running again. They they work on it together. They get it going and it's like a huge success <laughs> somehow. The laundromat um, is a success? Yeah, it's a successful laundromat. Everybody wants to go there and do their laundry and whatever. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Wait, is it like because? Wait, are they're gay? Mm-hmm. Is it because? But they are they are is, closeted. Is oh, a very okay. important thing. But um, the laundrette isn't popular because they're gay, or anything. no, 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 no. It's popular because they like do a really good job. Like they're so good at cleaning clothes. Well, they make it really cool. They like put all these like crazy fun lights on the front. They like clean out the in- they make the inside look really neat and colorful and stuff. And like people want to go there, I guess. Uh, (laughs) yeah sure that's all i can really (laughs) give you because one of the failings of the movie is that like the story sucks and like there's not really a lot going for it it's not very interesting not a lot happens and like not a lot really makes sense um (laughs) really like the way that they like get the money to renovate the laundromat is by stealing the drug trafficker uncle's cocaine and then selling it at a nightclub and like sure. just one time selling coke is enough to like finance this whole thing. God, we made twenty thousand yeah. dollars on one day. <laughs> and then like it kind of That's like doesn't so even come cool. back to to bite them or anything like that. They never really get caught for being gay. Um, so there's all these things that are set up as like points of possible tension. There's a there's a woman in in their lives who like there's kind of a love triangle happening where like. She wants to fuck Omar at the beginning, but Omar doesn't want anything to do with her. Of course. There's a really funny scene where he's at his uncle's house. She might be his cousin. I wasn't really super clear on this, hmm. um, <laughs> but she's at the uncle's house anyway. Um, when he's at his uncle's house, like uh, helping him out with a party, uh, she's like standing out in the garden behind this like big window, and like the uncle and his friends are all facing one way. She's behind them, so they can't see her, and she's just like showing him her titties. Uh, what do you mean? Just like, hey, check it out. Yeah, yeah. She's like, like trying to like get me. him to. She's trying to get him to like leave the party and go fuck her, and so she's just like showing your titties and like kind of like being like, mm, yeah, come on. What do, you, what do you think of this? Uh, and then he does go, but then like they, you know, she's like, so I think you're, you know, you look pretty good these days. Um, I think you know sexy. what I'm getting at. And he like looks at a picture on the wall and he's like, is that a picture of your dad? <laughs> Uh, so him and Daniel Day-Lewis they they have insane chemistry it's so good and he's not a good actor so it's like really the other guy yeah the other guy uh, Omar Omar. is is, you can tell from the fact that he just like doesn't get any work after this ever Gordon Warnke ever Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is fucking off to the races becomes one of the biggest bankable movie stars in the fucking universe (laughs) it's his his first film it's his first film yeah and, Never um, is in a movie again. There's something very interesting about the way that the chemistry is so, so good. And it really just feels like it's it's Daniel just like carrying the whole movie on his back. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it often feels. That's how Gang of New York feels to me. Yeah. Where it's just uh-huh. like this movie is dog shit. And then every time he's on screen, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow, I love him. He's the I best. I want to watch you forever. <laughs> so there's like some really great like uh, 
I love Bill the Butcher. It's very notable, uh, great stuff that he does in this that just kind of like stands out. Like it, it's it's interesting to like know the Daniel Day Lewis we know now. You know, Bill mm-hmm. the Butcher, um, Daniel Plainview, these like big, you know, like intense characters and stuff. And then to see this where he's this like he is tough and he is kind of like supposed to be like a working class street guy and whatever. But then he has these like really tender, really cute little things that he does where like uh, he like he like finishes fixing a light and then he like comes down this ladder and Omar like hands him some money and gives him a hug. And uh, he like Daniel like puts his head kind of like to the side of Omar's head so like his friends can't see and he mm. just like licks his neck. Oh God. And it's like a really like it's not very sexy necessarily. It's just really cute. And you uh-huh. kinda like he gives him this like smile as he goes away from him. And you're like, <laughs> oh wow. And you're like, damn, this is hot. <laughs> <laughs> this is really this is really something. <laughs> I am interested. I am interested in what you're selling, Daniel. Sure. <laughs> I saw a great uh, letterboxed review that questioned whether uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was so method that he sucked dick in preparation for this role. <laughs> well, come on. You got to. You've got to. <laughs> you got to suck a little dick. It wouldn't be fair. <laughs> so is it worth watching? Oh, yeah. Big time. Just for Daniel Day-Lewis. He's so good. It's. I mean, it's like it's one of those things where like it feels like... Uh, it feels like such a whack thing to watch a movie and come away with, but it really is just incredible, like how fucking good he is. And like right away, he's so young in this. Um, he's like, I mean, it's his first big role, you know. He's right. How old is he? He's like seventy something now. Is he that? He's sixty six. So if he was yeah. born fifty seven, so that's sixty seven. So he's like, he's in his late twenties. That's interesting. Yeah. He's in his late twenties yeah. when he, he when he his, breaks through. I mean, he'd been in like a couple of TV movies. Mm-hmm. So he's an Englishman, right? Yeah, he's like he like comes from like like blue blood background. I think that's part of why this really popped for him is because he's like um, like if you're British and and British people go ahead and write in about this if I'm totally wrong about this, <laughs> but I mean I've I've like read like Orwell stuff before where he talks about like like these ways that like British people can just like see your class background, like (laughs) without even like seeing anything about you necessarily, like any like, you know, uh, signifiers or anything like that. Yeah. Um, there's like facial feature things that you can see (laughs) and be like, like, "Oh, Oh, you're rich. You're from the upper class. And I think part of what made this pop for Daniel Day Lewis is that like, He's playing a working class chav like really convincingly, really well, and and you, if you're British, you can sense that he comes from not that life. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, or maybe they just know that about him. Maybe they just know that about him. Maybe it is a famous thing about him already that he's like the king's, you know, nephew or whatever. <laughs> he's, is he that crazy? Like class? Like is he that high class? Uh, he was he the king's nephew, second child of poet Cecil Day Lewis, and his second wife, actress Jill Bacon. His older sister is a television chef and food critic. His father, who was born there, uh, he was the poet laureate. He was a poet laureate. Uh, his father. Oh, okay. Um. Day Lewis's maternal grandfather, Sir Michael Balkin, became the head of Erling Studios, helping develop the new British film industry. Um, the the BAFTA for outstanding contribution to British cinema is presented every year in honor of Balkin's memory. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah, I mean, so they, he's he, a he's a nepo baby. <laughs> they know who he is, which is interesting because he's you know in his late twenties when he breaks through. Right. Well, I anyway, yeah, it. It's I definitely fucking, want to watch all of his movies. It's worth watching. It's definitely worth watching. I feel like if it it made me want to, like, watching this made me be like, I should just go and watch all his movies. Yeah, huh? yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen them all, but I'm definitely going to. 
Yeah, every time I say I say that, basically every time I see one, mm-hmm. like every time I see a new one, I'm like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say I did not like my left foot. I think he's very good in it, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not worth watching. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of. I mean, I wouldn't say this isn't worth watching. It's got some nice like British old '80s vibes and stuff too. But like, um, but this is kind of like that where it's like the movie itself is nothing to write home about. But he's really great in it. Right. Same with Lincoln. Terrible mm, movie. Yeah, I bet. Terrible yeah. movie. Great in it though. <laughs> Definitely worth watching for him. Yeah. Not in it enough. Well, what did you watch this week? Okay, this week I watched a movie that is. Not easy to look up. Uh, it was shown to me by my friend. It was, it's a very small independent documentary from 2003 uh, called Off the Charts, the okay. song poem story. <laughs> the song poem story. Yeah, so it's a bit convoluted. But there is a thing that's, this is a documentary. <laughs> It is a kind of a scam <laughs> that started happening in like the 40s and or I guess like the early 1900s where musicians and people who were recording songs, they started putting in like ads in the newspaper and they would just be like, we need writers to write songs. Okay. And, you know, you if you write the song and then pay us to record it, you could become famous for your hit song right so the scam is basically like kind of enticing people to give you money to record a song you record the song on the cheap Mm -hmm. and then give it back to them they paid you some amount of money right so this has been going on for a long time and the documentary is sort of explains what this is it's like kind of a scam and then it follows the people who make the songs uh like a couple of people who do this kind of like it's it's weird because it's it's kind of a scam in that like the implication that you will ever get any sort of industry recognition from sending in a, a written song or whatever is nil like that's not going to happen they don't right. send it to anybody they they sell you they're recording and then you have to buy the record that it's on and like a compilation of all the other song poems. Okay. (laughs) So it's like kind of a scam, you know? Right. So they, it's usually just like guys in Nashville who have the studio and have all the musicians and they just like churn them out. Like they, and like the ones, the guys in Nashville, they're like a little like band and then they just like, they play like the same sort of like four chords or whatever. And then the singer like just improvises, like <laughs> reads the words. Right. From the, from the thing. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm imagining pretty, pretty well how these would sound. <laughs> yeah. They sound like the most generic pop song or country song or whatever you've ever heard with just psychotic words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like because yeah because who's who's submitting these so that's the really interesting part and the thing that makes the movie really beautiful and interesting is that they go find people who are like have been doing it for a long time have been sending them in and they're all just the most magnificently strange people you've ever seen you know um there's the autistic black nerd guy who only writes songs about giant women and karate uh (laughs) there's the uh skinny trailer park guy who writes about aliens and you know new world orders and stuff Uh uh and but they're all jokes or whatever so it's this really weird it ends up kind of being this kind of really bittersweet movie about these people who just like need an outlet for their for their creativity but aren't really musicians or aren't very good at being musicians and like some in some cases like have kind of deluded themselves into thinking like one day (laughs) that this will be uh profitable or you know 
lead them to some sort of recognition. Um, but a lot of them also kind of just are like, well, I just want to hear the songs they make. Mm -hmm. And so, and <laughs> there, I was thinking that there's like such a, uh, there's such an interesting, like, there's gotta be like a way that you could like game this to your own advantage. Right. Like, yeah. Well, you could just like use that. You could pay, let's say $2,000 and all you have to do is write the lyrics and mm -hmm. then they make a record for you for $2,000. It's pretty cheap. And yeah. then if you wanted to do all the marketing or whatever, if it came out interesting or whatever, you're allowed or to do no, it. not even, I mean, it's like, I was thinking of like, um, <laughs> like if you were uh, like a children's book author and you wanted to have like a musical version of your book, like, sure. Yeah. You'd so, Cause like kids don't give a shit if the music's any good. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, that works. Uh -oh. There's a lot of ways, but <clears throat> yeah, there's nobody who's really ripping off the the rip off, the con artists here. Mm -hmm. um, it's more sort of a little exploration of these different kinds of people, and you know, the con artists are also really strange people, um, and they're sort of a whole other fascinating breed on their own. Um. But I think t to me the the writers the the song poets are really the the draw, mm -hmm. and some of them you feel a little bad for. But like the skinny guy who's on the cover who like constantly is smoking just has like this really quiet small life, and is really trying and like goes and plays some of the songs live for the first time. He's like never played live before, and it's like. He's all nervous and it's like really cute. But he's the writer, like the poet, right? He's not the musician. Yeah, but then his but like, he like learns how to play it. His like adult son learns how to play guitar and like they go <laughs> like play them. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there's like an old man who's just been like writing them at his typewriter for the past 20 years. And one of them is just like strikingly beautiful like the <laughs> he just like puts it on and then there's just like a really long shot of him on our porch listening to it mm -hmm. and it's like really good <laughs> somehow uh it's it's pretty amazing um it's no one's ever heard i've never heard of it before there's not very many views on letterboxd doesn't even have a wikipedia but um it's a really beautiful kind of sorrowful little thing and i really enjoyed it yeah it's not there's not much to it you know it's mm -hmm. it's just it's, like an interesting little slice of life about a neat little thing yeah that you'd be like why does this exist yeah <laughs> um and then it, it it doesn't ever like over say it's welcome or it it's never too it doesn't do the documentary thing where it's like has any crescendo it's just like all these little pieces and then it's just over yeah um, i mean it's an hour it's not it's uh, really short um <laughs> it's not really enough time to have like a whole thing it's almost like a fantastic youtube ch uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh video um there's no voiceover there's no narration it's all talking heads and it's following them around and stuff so i i loved it it's really 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 good nice i recommend it <laughs> Uh, and with that, let's get to our feature presentation. Let's do it. This week, we watched the 2003 American epic period war drama film, <laughs> Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Directed by Peter Weir, starring Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany, among quite a few others. Pippin is in this. Mm, yes, Pippin is in this. Um, Billy, Yeah, that's Billy Boyd. Uh, James Darcy, who goes on to to be other people in, in the Avengers and stuff. Nobody who was really famous at the time, um, but a couple of games. Yeah, of Russell Crowe would have been the draw here, big time. He was he was the. This was as bankable as he ever was, probably. I think absolutely. Um, what was this right after Gladiator? It must have been right after Gladiator, yeah. Uh huh, Gladiator beautiful mind is the the one right before it 
and LA Confidential's 97. So yeah, he's yeah, he's on, top he's of the on world an too. unreal streak right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then after this he does Cinderella Man and 310 to Yuma, American Jesus Gangster. Jesus Christ. Yeah, um. he's just <laughs> on a tear and then he just is like, "All right, I'm done." I'm just I mean, and around. and who wouldn't? <laughs> what a fucking king. God damn. Absolutely. Um so this movie just before we start even explaining what this movie's about, uh, what, what's your history with it? Have you seen this movie? No, I've never seen this before. Um, I was familiar with it. Um, I remember seeing the trailer for it, and I don't know. I like I liked uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, which is the same year as this, which is insane uh, to think about. Oh yeah, um, they had two different period boat-based uh, action thrillers. <laughs> um, sort of an action movie, but kind of not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what else you call it's these a adventure. historical period drama. Yeah, adventure. Yeah, it has a little adventure, sure. Um, and so I had never seen it. I thought for some reason that it had uh, gotten bad reviews and that nobody had seen it. It doesn't seem like it did incredibly well for it did okay did okay buck 50 uh box office 211 not bad um, for the time probably pretty good it probably just got overshadowed by the insane bullshit that pirates did yes um which, which was i don't remember off the top of my head but i could tell you it's probably it's 654 million wow um off of what was the budget on that uh 140 interesting this is more expensive than pirates technically less yeah <laughs> um so yeah i don't know i had like i had gotten it in my head that this was not a good movie and that people didn't like it and then at some point i think um patak watched it and he was like why does nobody talk about this movie it's so good and then like <laughs> from then on like pretty steadily once every few months somebody in my life would be like that movie fucking rocks i love that movie yes so i had the exact same experience uh except that i had seen it and mm. i i like i was let's see i must have been like 13 no 13 14 or 15 i think in 2003 i don't remember well you know I if watched... you were 13 because you would have been born in 1990 which you weren't <laughs> absolutely wasn't I was a teenager, let's say. <laughs> what I remember there's always, is... There's always at least one piece of easy math you can do to try to figure out your age, which is it's not the year that it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, that's accurate. It's not the year that is by tens. Yes. Um. So it was three years before I turned 20, right? So I'm 17 when I see this. Mm -hmm. Maybe. if Yeah. So I saw it as a teenager. <laughs> I'm bad at math. I um, remember being like pretty okay. Mm -hmm. Like really left almost no impact on me. I watched it with my dad who who rented it. Um, I remember him liking it mm -hmm. and being like, okay. I remember this surgery scene sticking with me as like very, blah, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, just like I really didn't have much of a concept of, um history or the galapagos or i didn't care about pirates or water i don't know it was just like really not my thing at the time um and then around last year maybe the year before people started making it a meme like this was like became a like Twitter thing to be like mm -hmm. someone got a tattoo of like the opening scroll of like the yeah so so I knew the opening scroll uh, but I didn't yeah. know that it was from this movie until we decided we were watching this for the show and somebody posted it in the Discord and I was like oh that's where that's from I thought it was from a video game I thought there was like a game that people were quoting that from like a like a Age of Empires type of thing. Right. If you go to uh, knowyourmeme.com, Lauren on Twitter, not a big jerk, you know that person? Mm -hmm. They uh, posted the screenshot, Oceans are now, are now Battlefields, and that just like a big tweet for some reason. <laughs> uh, and then just, which means the Oceans are now Battlefields became a meme. Um, 
Someone got a tattoo of it. I don't really get what's funny about this. Um, April 1805. It's just the opening scroll of it. But at some point, people started finding that to be a very funny sentence. I think um, it's... Um, I mean, I'm looking at some of the permutations of it. I can see how some of these are funny. There's one of a guy doing like a reverse cowgirl with a chick and then he has a laptop on his belly and he's watching, watching. the beginning of Master <laughs> Commander. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, so it's just it's just a, a copy pasta f- phrase. Um, and, but along with that meme became a reevaluation of the movie and people started just being like, that movie fucking rules, dude. Great movie, 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was curious to rewatch this um, because lots of people in my life and online uh started saying it was great yeah um and i'm here to tell you that it is really good it's so good man <laughs> it's fuck cool. yes <laughs> it's fucking awesome uh, <laughs> and what a thing- fucking nice movie <laughs> <laughs> one thing i didn't realize about myself at 17 is i did not watch movies with subtitles mm-hmm. and i think one of the reasons i didn't care about this movie at the time was that I had no fucking idea what was going on. Yes. Like I couldn't have told you one thing that happened in the movie except a guy does surgery on himself and they see turtles. Watching this movie with subtitles on was so helpful. Yeah, I watch they... everything with subtitles on now because I I have a child sleeping in the other room so I got to keep everything pretty low to begin with. Uh, sure. And it just makes my life a little easier. I'm kind of deaf, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it was really helpful because they're British or Irish, or they're mm-hmm. all speaking in, in heavily accented, period appropriate accents. It's set in uh, 1805, I believe. Um, oh, that's the meme. Yeah, 1805. Um, April. And they're also saying insane shit. They're saying Port Harbor fucking beat the quarters, Lieutenant. Like they're saying words yeah. that don't make any sense unless you're like aware of how boats work a little bit. Mm-hmm. in my 30s i know a little bit more about how boats work i know a little bit more about history and i know what some of these words are and just like contextually it's a lot easier so it helped me understand what the stakes were what they were actually trying to do who these guys are and what's going on on screen and it ends up being quite a fucking good movie yeah good ass time so i think them- like um I mean, I think the adventure angle of it is pretty significant. Now that I'm like thinking about it again, like I watched this last week, um, so it's like a little less fresh in my head than than uh, our next movie will be. But um, <laughs> I watched them pretty close together, honestly. It's um, I mean, there's a significant element of adventure here. You know, there's a lot of the the whole first chunk really feels like adventure movie where it's like. They, their first encounter um, with the Asheron uh, right. and then that it sneaks up on them and then they have to get away and then they, it sneaks up on them a second time and then they, you know, do their little maneuver to like fake it out and juke it and get behind it and then they're going to the try to get him. Yeah, like that all has like a good fun sort of piracy sort of a vibe to it. Uh, I would just call it, that fun movie stuff. For sure. It, it It's a... Uh... It's fun, and that's I think it's fun for adults in that it doesn't have a winking, cheery, like, goof. It, it, there's not there's not the sort of like Indiana Jones fancifulness to the movie. It's all mm. very grounded. All the stuff could and probably did happen. Uh, it's very grounded in history. These are yeah. all war maneuvers. The only thing about it is that it's in a world that you probably haven't seen on on film before um and the navigation of it and the scale of it is all sort of new unique to this movie um and so there is definitely adventure and fun to it um but yeah it it sort of reads to me more like just a really well done war movie i guess or like a well done yeah, it's 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 hard to draw the line there. Like, there's lots of war movies that are also kind of adventure movies or action movies. Like, mm-hmm. Behind Enemy Lines with Owen Wilson is more of like a action movie than a war movie, but he is also a war movie. So, it's kind of like 
kind of like that where it's it's all fun it's all entertaining but it's very grounded and it becomes you know more dramatic as it goes i guess yeah so the the basic premise of the movie is that the hms surprise is a british uh man of war of warship um and they're tasked this is during the napoleonic wars um they're tasked with chasing down a french privateer ship called the acheron uh, and making sure it's like hanging off, hanging around Brazil. Yeah, it's off the coast sure of South they... America, and it's it's trying to um, it's like pillaging whaling ships, right? Because they're allowed to. I guess I guess a privateer is like a mercenary ship, basically mm-hmm. hired by the French, and they're allowed to just like fucking <laughs> get take over people's ships and take all the spoils like pirates but officially sanctioned pirates Mm -hmm. who aren't under the like aren't going to get in trouble except by the british and so they're trying to sink it or take it as a prize um and so it's just sort of them doing that yeah so uh, the thing that we kind of like learn very quickly and it's like the first scene in the movie basically um, yeah they get they get caught by they're hunting the Asheron and the Asheron catches them first uh and they're like they're they're kind of in this scenario where it kind of like pops out of the fog out of nowhere um and and fucks them up pretty fucking bad uh with cannon fire uh and then they just barely escape into the fog themselves they get away uh, they try to repair the ship at sea because they don't want to lose the the Acheron because they want to go back and fuck it up themselves. Mm-hmm. And they like realize that it's like technologically superior. It's like a um, it's like a Top Gun Maverick sort of a scenario. Uh, the enemy has a vastly technologically <laughs> superior uh, oh, yeah? weapon, and we have to kind of like find a way around that. And that's kind of the stakes of the situation, right? It's much faster, much stronger. They can't hit it with guns from very far away or else it won't do anything. They got to get right up next to it. Uh, And then it's also just like it's so fast that they just like have to like work their asses off to catch it. Right. Um, So they get in. They get away into the fog uh, and then it catches. I don't remember exactly how it happens, but it catches them a second time. Exactly. So fast. I think they're just like just figure it just finds out where they are. Yeah, so they they manage to kind of like have it kind of like they're they're just like hauling ass uh trying to get away from it and they make it to nightfall and in the night they do this little maneuver where they put some lights on a little dinghy and set it off uh in a different direction and turn all the lights off on the ship and the the Asheron kind of follows the dinghy. They do a little maneuver where they like kind of slow down and loop around to get behind the Asheron, and then they're chasing the Asheron for the rest of the movie, basically. <laughs> right. It's cool. So here we should stop and say the captain is Russell Crowe, mm-hmm. and I think one of the things that makes me really like the movie is how just just well drawn and realized he is as a character, a, mm-hmm. and how how well observed his friendships and relationships are with almost every fucking crew member that he has. Yes. Specifically his best friend who he's known for a really long time. The surgeon played by uh, Paul Bettany, whose name is Stephen, Stephen Maltron. I think he's supposed to be Irish. Um, Yeah. He has, he has great relationships individually with a lot of people. And then another thing that comes up a lot in the movie is his relationship with like the crew overall is very interesting. How often he brings that up where like, he's like, the boys aren't going to like this, you know, the crew's not (laughs) going to respond well to this. Like, uh, yeah, great stuff like that. I love like how, how like smart and ahead of everybody he is. He's like a very, um, He's a very like Tony Soprano like sort of a leader, <laughs> where like he's kind I of like think he's a little more warm than that. But yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I mean, like in the way that like a big part of what makes him the leader is that he's the smartest guy in the room. Uh, but his best friend is way fucking smarter than him. But he has no authority. So there's kind of this interesting thing that happens sometimes where like his friend will like overstep, and and. Um, and Russell has to kind of like smack him back into place a little bit right. and be like, I am 
the fucking captain here, buddy. Let's just <laughs> let's just be clear. But so one of the things that really kind of surprised me about the movie was how sweet he is, mm-hmm. like how warm and kind of a guy he is, and like you know he's stern and fatherly and and you know leadership wise he's he's uh he's stern when he needs to be and like you said he whips a guy <laughs> uh who's subordinate or who's insubordinate to one of his other leaders just to make a point but the movie is like kind of right on that point like yeah <laughs> it like what are you gonna do he's you know you gotta have a certain level of respect on the ship because there's an order to it and you know it's not a it's it's not a he says uh if you're looking for anarchy you can go somewhere else oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah yeah um but i i think one of the when i first started being really on board with him is when pippin and the other guy come into the his room or his quarters and they're like hey he knows all about the ship he oh his, yeah, his, yeah yeah his wife brother worked on the what a fucking (laughs) (laughs) i mean i guess i get it because it's like so so he he brings in a model ship and he's just like i saw the thing uh i was like visiting my brother-in-law in in boston and they were building this thing in the harbor and i remember seeing it so i built you a scale model of it here it is and 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 russell crowe like does take it seriously but like i was so astounded by it i was like is that really the plot device we're doing here (laughs) like (laughs) he just remembers it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he remembers it but then i was uh, like i don't know i mean i guess if you like work on ships if that's your whole life if you know these sort of things you know you'd see it and you'd be like oh that's interesting they're spaced this far apart instead of this yeah, far, which is what i'm I, used to or whatever it kind of makes sense and like russell crowe immediately looks at it and is like is this this is, is this for real this is for and, real? and they're like yeah and he's just like so like beaming with happiness and pride and yeah he's, he's like, like thank you this is great <laughs> Good job. This will be really helpful like, to us. He's like, you get one, another ration of rum for you too. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the cook is like, I was saving that for the feast. <laughs> and it's just like lots of little things like that. I mean, his relationship with Blakeney obviously is very fatherly because uh, Blakeney is a child. There's yeah, a lot of children. <laughs> a lot of young, very young boys. Well, this is, um, you know, kind of what I was talking about with the Daniel Day-Lewis thing where there's this sort of like class element in British society that's so interesting where like you can tell that a big part of what's happening there is just that these children are from rich backgrounds. You know, that's why they're in these positions to become officers, you know, while there's like wildly right. way more experienced men who if it were a meritocracy they'd <laughs> they'd be captains and stuff yeah exactly um but uh so so they they need to they need to repair their ship they need to you know they've cut the kid's arm off and they go to the galapagos and steven is like Oh boy, because he's a naturalist. He he's a, oh yeah. A, a, as a hobby, he's well yeah. So a, they're, they're chasing the Asheron, and they get down to the Galapagos, and they're like, "Well, fuck, we're like running out of water, we're running out of food. We got to stop somewhere to to stock up." And um and Stephen's like, "Ooh, can we do the Galapagos? Can we do the Galapagos? Can we do the <laughs> yeah. Galapagos?" And Jack's like, "All right, we could do the Galapagos. We'll be there for a couple days." And he's like, "Yes, I'm gonna look at the lizards. I'm gonna yes. look at the turtles. I'm gonna look at the birdies. I'm gonna look at the iguanas. <laughs> I'm gonna see that fucking flightless bird. There's probably dodos there and shit. It's so cute. <laughs> it's so adorable. And so they go there, and he looks at the finches and stuff, and he's all very excited. But he's um, like looking at them from the binoculars from the boat, and then." Um, they're like they're rolling up on Galapagos, and they find like the shipwreck of of uh, a whaling ship. And these dudes are like, "The Asheron was just fucking here. It just fucked us up. Oh my god!" And Jack's like, uh-huh. "We got to go now. We can't stop in the Galapagos." <laughs> and they're like, "No!" And like they have a big fight about it. Uh, yeah, he's Steven like, "Can you like, just you like pro- leave me here and come back and get me?" <laughs> you promised me, Aubrey. And he's like, uh, "Yeah, but it and." not over duty he's like this isn't yeah. duty and i promise the crown yeah. first <laughs> and this is where steven starts like kind of questioning whether this is like a suicide mission or whether he's like overstepping and being like asking too much of everybody 
Uh, and Russell Crowe is like, look, not really, man. You're just like, <laughs> this isn't a time for your hobbies right you're now. Like fucking we're, turtles we're, and shit. Yeah, we're at war. <laughs> um, but it also kind of like, you're like, is he right? I don't know. And so, uh, yeah, so they leave. And then they, I don't remember, do they go, do they meet with the Acheron again? Well, they do in the end because that's, you know. No, 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 but. Um, oh, yeah. Well, so why do they end up back at the Galapagos again is the question. Uh, I think it's because uh, he gets shot. Oh, that's because right. Yeah. So they're shot. they're out on the fucking open water and they find this big bird. <laughs> like Steven's chasing the bird around. He's oh, like, I re- I'm going to catch it. I want to look at it. And then this, the Marine on board is just like, I'm going to fucking shoot the bird. And he accidentally <laughs> shoots Steven. And then right. Steven's got to go do surgery on himself. They're trying to chase the Acheron, but the wind just stops. And so they're like stranded on open ocean for like several oh, days. Oh, yeah. And everybody starts going insane. Right. And that's very crazy. And during that time, uh, Steven gets shot uh, by the an idiot. Um, and then, oh, yeah. And then Nagel uh, or Holm kills himself by mm-hmm. jumping overboard with a cannonball because he thinks he's cursed. And then everybody else thinks he's cursed, too. And Russell Crowe thinks he's cursed, too. That's the best part of the movie for me is when um, the guy is like, you know, everybody's just like, we're stuck in this fucking windless doldrum. Nothing happening. Nothing to do. There's somebody's a curse. I think it's him. And everybody's yeah. like, yeah, I think it's him too. And he's like, I think it's me. And then like, Steven's like, can you believe these fucking freaks? They all think <laughs> that somebody's cursed. And Jack is just like, that if there's one thing that these men just can't stand for, it's somebody who's cursed. <laughs> And Paul Bettany's like, what? And then the guy kills himself, and then the wind immediately picks up, and they're like, yeah, I knew it. This is the thing. is like, I, I think the movie's perspective is so interesting because it really does just like, it is it is a true sailor's movie, you know? Because absolutely. it is like, it is absolutely like, yes, uh, that guy was fucking cursed. Yes, we should have kept chasing the Acheron because we got it in the end, yeah. you know? And we won, and it was all worth it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they like, go back yes, to the they gap. should have cut that guy loose, even though he was like, he could have made it because oh, yeah. it was slowing the ship down. <laughs> I mean, it's very sad, but... Nobody likes kinda, that you had to do it. We kind of had to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it it really tries to explain to you the perspective of Aubrey, the Captain Aubrey, just by like the emotional filmmaking beats of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, formally, it's it's so successful in making you agree with things that are just fucking insane, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, such as the curse, such as you know. Yeah, we need to go get the Acheron. We have to. Also, we need to support the crown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all these bloody Englishmen. You have a duty um, to the crown. What do you want to bow to Napoleon? Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up, you <laughs> idiot frog. So anyway, they go back to the Galapagos. Steven's got a hole in his stomach. He com- he performs surgery on himself. It's a horrible scene. Uh, even even Captain Aubrey is having trouble looking at it. Um, anyway, so they he gets to spend a couple of days looking at lizards. Yeah, and stuff. Um, Jack is like, "Fuck it, man, we lost it. It's gone. The Acheron's gone. We're not finding it. Let's just fucking chill in the Galapagos, and then we'll just hightail it home. Who even knows? By the time we get home, they might have even fucking surrendered. Who knows? Yep. Uh, and then uh, Stephen is off looking at birds and stuff. And he just having like a great time having with a the great kids. old time. And he like <laughs> looks over a hill and he sees the Acheron on the other side of the island. He's like, <sighs> all right. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> Let's go get it. Also, yeah. I have the idea of how we're going to do it. I yeah. saw a stick bug and it looks like a <laughs> stick. What if we so made they... the ship look like a stick? <laughs> <laughs> a whaling ship. And then they do that. They act like a whaling ship and then the, they lure the Acheron to be like, oh, we're going to take you over. And then they're like, fuck you. And surprise. Cannons. <laughs> <laughs> we're the HMS surprise. Why didn't we think of this before? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then they uh, take it over. Yeah, they and wreck that's... their shit uh, and... 
then they're going to take it back to England to like study, I think, or something like that. And then there's like a last little twist where it's like, oh, the captain might still be alive. Let's go get them. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, let's go. And then Stephen and Jack play cello and, and violin together. And that's yeah, as like the biggest twist of the movie out of nowhere. They're just like, by the way, these guys play music. <laughs> well, they've been playing music separately at least a couple times, right? There's a couple scenes where they're playing music. I don't think so. No? I mean, I may be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure we don't see them play music until that scene. <laughs> That's the first time we see it. Uh, you, you definitely you definitely see Jack playing violin, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but either way. Um, they have a right proper jam sesh. <laughs> they have a right proper jam sesh. And then they get really into it and start playing their shit like... Uh, guitars yeah and they're like trading off who gets to play it like a guitar at the like only one of them could do it at at a time (laughs) yeah no yeah there's a beautiful scene where there it's nighttime i'm watching it right now where uh steven is playing cello and he's playing violin okay uh and then there's anchor yeah yeah so uh another thing we should say about the movie because we haven't actually mentioned it gorgeous mm-hmm. it looks so good <laughs> looks really really good i watched it like a blu-ray of this just like all of like the silhouette scenes of people climbing the, the docks or the the sails and the the rigging um the ocean the animals it's all really beautiful. Like some of it looks like a nature documentary. Some of it looks like an art movie. Yeah. First movie, uh, first non-documentary film ever to be actually filmed on location in the Galapagos. That's nuts. Oh, yeah. So crazy. Um, it's a beautiful movie. Um, I really liked it. Yeah. Super fun time. Don't know how <laughs> gay I thought it was. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the gayness. So a a. For From being a bunch of sailors, I really expected there to be more gay stuff going on. Yeah, I, I feel like a part of the thing about this movie is that like there's like this new. It just feels like people are doing the same. Like straight men aren't allowed to have close emotional relationships without it being gay, but now it's woke. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> they're like going back and like being like I'm gay and that means this movie's gay even though it's absolutely not. <laughs> right. Uh, but I mean, it is the navy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I- it's the navy. There is a there is a gay thing happening there. Like they play music together. It kind of feels like there's sort of they they almost have more of like a bickering like old couple sort of a thing going on than like what I would call a sexual tension or anything like that. Right. Um, they're definitely very close friends and mm-hmm. respect each other a lot for their for their cleverness in in different ways. Uh they complement each other. Um and their relationship is really sweet and cool. Um I I don't really see any other like gay. I mean, I'm not a gay man. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe if if you are uh dark yeah, council members and, or... and and folks at home, if you're if you're gay and you saw Master and Commander and you thought it was gay, write in. Right in. Let us know. We'll, we'll uh, read it on the bonus. Did episode. you think it was gay or what? And um, <laughs> and if you're not gay and you saw it and you thought it was gay, go ahead and write in also. Tell us right. boats are gay. <laughs> <laughs> boats are gay. Um, but besides the lack of gay content that I, just, it's hard to even talk about because there's so little that could be construed as such. Um, just a really beautiful little adventure. Yeah movie fucking Um, rocks big time it's so fun it's it's uh my only my only major criticism never a dull moment uh, yeah only major criticism is i wish the name was a little bit longer (laughs) the name yeah kind of feels like the name could have had a couple more words in it maybe a maybe like five to seven more like a hyphen would be another hyphen yeah another colon (laughs) A, a colon and a hyphen uh but yeah i i think it's great i think peter we're uh, once again, knocks it out of the park. A uh, very uh, underrated filmmaker, I think. Yeah, what else um, does he do? Dead Poet Society is pretty good. Show. Truman Show is pretty good. Picnic, Picnic at Hanging Rock is incredible. Um, Witness is pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I like. He kind of stopped making movies. Apparently, he mm. did the way back in 2010, and that's it. Um, 
But I'm glad we got to talk about Peter Weir. I'm glad we got to watch this movie. I thought it was really good. I yeah. recommend it. We recommend it wholeheartedly. For sure. Thanks, Dark Council, for finally making us watch this. Yeah. And that's the episode. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, to Generation Loss, the show about movies. If you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss, where you can get a bonus episode every week where we talk about the movie news, your emails, uh, the Sopranos, or whatever you actually vote for once the Sopranos is over, which will be next month. Yeah. We're almost done. Uh, so you can find out about all that. Patreon.com slash generation loss. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at GenLossPod. You can follow us individually from there. They and can't keep me off, baby. They can't keep they Jeremy off. They cannot keep me restrained. <laughs> I will not I will not live in chains. You live free or die. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, that's, that's movies. movies. <laughs>